Amen. Well, guess what the first verse we have to read is? Genesis 3, 9. You ready? Genesis 3, 9. And the Lord God called unto Jean. Oh, no, you have to put your name in. Right? Come on. We're doing it with our own name in there, right? And then me, okay? Genesis 3, 9. And the Lord God called unto Jean and said unto me, Where are you? Again, Genesis 3, 9. And the Lord God called unto Jean and said unto me, Where are you? Where are you? Where are you? Hiding or seeking? Seeking. Where are you? Hiding or seeking? Seeking. Where are you? Lost or found? Found. And then after this weekend, where are you? Guilty or innocent? Innocent. Amen. Innocent what? Very good. Okay. Where are you? Guilty or innocent? Innocent by the blood of Jesus. Innocent by the blood of Jesus. I think that's very good. We need to expand our answer that way. Um, okay. I want you to also um, look at another verse in Genesis. And that is Genesis 2.17. Genesis 2.17. Okay. Uh, let's try everyone. Let's see, we did King James last time we read a verse, right? So let's try everyone who has uh, American Standard. Okay, stand up. Everyone who has American Standard. You don't need the flashlight in here, son. Turn it off and put it away. Everyone who has American Standard, right? Stand up and read Genesis 2.17. Okay, go. Amen. Okay, it's exactly the same as King James. Okay, so everyone with King James, everyone with American Standard, stand up. And everyone else, you have to say amen to them. We have to amen the Word of God. What do you say? Amen Amen the Word of God. What do you say? Amen the Word of God. Okay, you all read it. But, amen. 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 Okay, okay. You have to give us a little pause when you read. Stay standing, stay standing. You have to give us a pause so the rest of us can say the amen at the punctuation. And we won't know where it is if you don't pause, okay? So it's after good and evil, and then thou shalt not eat of it, and then thou shalt surely die. I know you don't like to say amen to this verse. But anyway, this verse is also the word of God. So we still have to practice to say amen. Not according to our preference. Okay, go ahead, read it again and then pause at the punctuation. Amen. 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 Okay. 
And then I want you to read Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1. Ephesians 2, 1. Where are they going? Huh? Where? Okay, ready? Ephesians 2, 1, all together. And you being dead in your offenses and sins. Again. And you being dead in your offenses and sins. Okay. And then I want you to read one more verse. I want you to read John 5, 24. John 5, 24. Okay. Ready? All together. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not come out but is passed out of death into life. Amen. Let's read the last two phrases again. And, and will not come into judgment. And will not come into judgment but has passed out of death into life. Out of what into what? out of death into life. Okay, so tonight's question is, where are you? In death or in life? Don't answer yet. Don't answer yet. Don't answer yet. Okay, don't answer yet. Uh, tonight's question, where are you, is are you in death or are you in life? I like to ask another question first. I like to ask you, where does death come from? Where does death come from? You've been answering, yeah. From Satan. How do you know? Okay. What he said was that because Satan caused man to fall and eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and when man ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, he died. Okay? That's what he said. Okay? What do you say? Sin. Okay? Why do you say that? Yeah. The question is, where does death come from? And you answer sin. And that's right. But now you have to just explain. Based on what do you say that? Because sin... Okay, you're, you're very, very close. Mother, be quiet. <laughs> okay, you're going to help her with her answer? The wages of sin are death. Right, you're right, you're right. You just need to put... What verse is that? Can you give me the reference? Huh? Romans 6, 23. For the wages of sin is death, but what? The free gift of God is eternal life. 
So you have life and death in Romans 6.23. Okay? You should remember. You should always remember Romans 3.23, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And then Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life. So you're right. It does come from sin. But it comes from sin in a particular way. And that is that death is the wages or the result of sin, right? And he said that sin comes from Satan. So to say that death comes from Satan and death comes from sin is right. What else would you say? Anything else? What other answer can you give? Where does death come from? What? From darkness, okay, based on what? You, this is right. These things are all wrapped up together. Satan and sin and death and darkness. That's the package deal, right? You know what a package deal is? If you get one, you get the other. If you get Satan, you get sin. If you get sin, you get death. If you get death, you get darkness. That's right. They're all related. Uh, then let me ask you, where does life come from? Where does life come from? From where? From God. How do you know? Because he gave them the tree of life to eat, right? Okay. Uh, where does life come from? Yeah. Because God is life. That's right. God is life. Yeah. Huh? The prince of life. Hmm. That's interesting. Do you have a verse? Okay, read it to us. Very good. Stand up and read it to us. Right, very good. And you killed the prince of life, Acts 3.15. Um, of course, here the recovery version, that's why it uh, says the author of life. But anyway, there's a footnote that explains that. But anyway, the prince of life, uh, that means the originator, uh, the chief leader, the captain, or the prince of life. Okay, so uh, who's this? Who does this refer to? Who? who right. Right, Jesus was killed, right? And he was the prince or the author or the source of life. Yeah. What? There's no darkness in God. Why? Because God is light, and in him is no darkness at all, right? Okay, what else? Where does life come from? Anything else? Yeah. Yeah, the tree of life. Right, the tree of life. Life comes from the tree of life. Okay, um, so actually, then, based on your answers, you can see a couple of things. First of all, there are two trees, right? What are the two trees? The good tree is what? The, the good tree is what? The good tree is what? Okay, and the bad tree is what? 
Okay. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil. All together. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So there are two trees. Where are the two trees? In the garden, right? In the beginning, right? In the garden that God made for man. There are two trees there. And these two trees represent what? Two sources. Two sources, right? And man is put between these two trees, and he can either choose the tree of life or he can choose the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, right? So there are two sources for man, for man to live by. Either man can live by the tree of life or man can live by the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But man cannot live by both trees, right? He has to choose one or the other. How do I, how do I know that? Or how do you know that? How do you know that? Do you know that? <laughs> that he can't have them both? Based on what? Yeah. Well, I think you're I think you're close. Yeah, I think you're close, but not quite. Well, well, not quite. You, you're, you're in the right ballpark, but we're not quite getting on base. Go ahead. Okay, after he took the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, after a number of things happened, then what was the final thing that happened? In Genesis chapter 3. Sorry. <laughs> what was the final thing? Yeah, oh yeah. Go ahead. What? Yeah, God came to talk to him, and some things happened, and then what? Yeah. He was put out of the garden. That's it. You got it. Right? So that the tree of life was cut off from him. Right? So this shows that after man chooses the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, he's cut off from the tree of life. He's cut off. So God has to make a way back to the tree of life. But anyway, in the beginning, in Genesis, we find that man is put between the two trees, in front of the two trees, and he has to choose. And he chooses the tree of the knowledge of good and evil because, as we mentioned last night, Satan lied to him. Satan told him that God kept the best thing back from you. The reason God wouldn't let you eat this is that God didn't want you to be like God. He didn't want you to have something very good. He lied to him. He implied to him that God did not have the very best for man. But actually, God did have the very best for man. So there are two trees. And these two trees become the source of two results, right? One tree results in what? Death. And one tree results in 
Or we may put it the other way around, one tree results in life and one tree results in death. So that's why the question tonight, where are you, dead or alive? Actually, that question means, what tree are you eating? What tree are you eating? Are you eating the tree of life or are you eating the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? Because the tree of life makes us alive. And the tree of the knowledge of good and evil makes us dead. So you have two trees. You have two sources. The tree of life represents God as the source of life. And the tree of the knowledge of good and evil represents Satan as the source of death. Actually, death comes from Satan and life comes from God. The other things are true. Sin is involved, darkness is involved. The other things are true. But the, when you boil it down to the basic thing, there are only two sources in the universe. God is the source of life and Satan is the source of death. So you have two trees and you have two sources and you have two results. The two results are simply death or life. You know, in the Old West, there used to be wanted posters. Wanted, dead or alive, right? <laughs> when they were after a criminal, they didn't care whether they got him dead or they got him alive. Right? Wanted, dead or alive. But listen, God doesn't want you dead or alive. God wants you how? God wants you how? He doesn't want you dead. But Satan wants you. And he doesn't want you dead or alive either. Satan wants you how? Satan wants you dead. The deader the better. Right? The deader the better for Satan. So Satan does everything he can to make you dead and to make you deader. That's funny because you, if you're dead, you're dead. But you know, we human beings are complicated. Right? Because we may be alive in our body we may be half alive in our spirit and we may be dead in our mind. I mean, we're complicated, right? We have different parts of us, right? You're all alive in the body, praise the Lord. Nobody, nobody's dying this weekend, right? Uh, we all be careful climbing the mountain. Nobody, nobody fell off the cliff to, you know, die. We don't want anybody dead. Anyway, all your body is alive, right? but I'm a little concerned about the rest of you. There are two more parts to your being. Your body, what's the second part? Your soul, and what's the third part? The innermost part. Actually, the first thing I'm concerned about tonight is where are you in your spirit, dead or alive? Hmm, don't answer yet. We'll find out. Where are you in your spirit, dead or alive? Then the second question I like to find out tonight is, where are you in your soul, dead or alive? So you see, we're complicated. Our body is alive. Our spirit may either be alive or dead. And our soul may either be alive or dead. So it's not so simple. That's why I asked you, don't answer the question, because it's not that simple a question. When you put up a poster, wanted, dead or alive, that's simple. 
You get them, if you can't get them alive, you just shoot them dead and you got them. Either way, it's okay, it's simple, right? But this is not so simple. When I ask you, where are you, dead or alive? You have to ask me, what part of my being are you referring to? Let me check with you tonight. Where are you in your body, dead or alive? alive. Well, some of you are not so sure. Where are you in your body, dead or alive? Alive. You may be asleep, but you're still alive, right? Let's wake up everyone who's asleep. Where are you in your body, dead or alive? Alive. Good, now everybody's awake, okay? We're all alive in our body. But then the question is, what about our spirit and what about our soul? Okay, let me check with you. How do you know when you're dead? I don't mean in your body now, because once you're dead in your body, you don't know. <laughs> you're, just, you're just dead, right? <laughs> but how do you know when you're dead in either your spirit or your soul? Did you ever think about that? How do you know? When you don't believe in God. That's right. People who don't believe in God, they are dead where? And in their, in their spirit and in their soul. That's right. So we know that we're dead in our spirit and our soul if we don't believe in God. Yeah. How do you know? Ah, very good. If it becomes hard to contact God. Did you hear what she said? This is a very good answer. How do we know? Then what does that mean? Where are you dead? Yeah, in your spirit. Your spirit can be deadened, we better say, or your soul can be deadened, right? So when it becomes hard to contact God. Yeah, that's a very good answer. How do you know when you're in your natural man? I come back. I want some symptoms. Hmm? When you're not enjoying the Lord. Okay, two very good answers. Listen, when it's hard to contact the Lord and when you're not enjoying the Lord. Yes. When your conscience isn't working. Ah, very good. How did you know my points tonight? Go ahead. When you feel empty. Ah, emptiness is a sign of death. That's right. That's right. What else? Oh, there are a lot of points. What else? There are a lot of reasons, a lot of symptoms, yeah. When you what? When you don't pray. That's right, when it's hard to contact the Lord. You, yeah, yeah. When we're lost. That's right. <laughs> Actually, we already had three symptoms that we covered this weekend. When you're lost, when you're hiding, right, and when you're guilty. That, those are all signs of death, right? Yeah. When you don't want to hear about the Lord. Listen. When you don't want to listen to the Lord's Word. You don't want to hear about the Lord. That's a sign of death. That's right. Yeah. What? Dullness and darkness. Have you been reading Experience of Life? <laughs> Very good. Or Knowledge of Life. It's Knowledge of Life. Dullness and darkness. When you're dull, you're dull and, and dark. That's a sign of death. That's right. What else? Anything else you can think of? Yeah. When you're a slave. A slave of what? 
A slave to the world. Okay, very good. Here's another good symptom of death. When you're a slave to the world. When you skip the meetings. Yeah, very good, very good. <laughs> okay, hey, did you hear what he said over there? When you skip the meetings. You skip going to the church meetings. You skip, right? Like cutting class. You cut church. Right? Then that's a symptom. That's a symptom. You got another one? My goodness. When you never ask the Lord for help. Very good. Very good. Yeah. When you love something beside the Lord. Good. Now you're getting my, giving my list back to me, right? Very good. Very good. What else? Yeah. Yeah, when you get into the world. When you don't call on the Lord. That's right. Why, why when you don't call on the Lord is it a sign of death? Right. You know why? Because calling on the Lord is like breathing. When you stop breathing, you're dead. Right? So you stop calling, you're dead. Yeah. What? No feeling toward God. Very good. Very good. Hey, in the back row, Scavo. Huh? When you're bored. When you're bored. Yeah. If you're bored in the meeting. Right? That's a sign of death, something not quite right. Anybody bored here tonight? <laughs> Where are you, dead or alive? <laughs> okay, in the back there, yeah, I asked. Go ahead. Hey, your hands up, answer. When your conscience, right, when you have a bad conscience, that's a sign of death. Okay, another one from you. Right, right, when you have an appetite for something other than the Lord. When you're not exercising your spirit, my goodness, you do know a lot, see? When you're hiding instead of seeking, right? That's why he was hiding, right? Stand up and say it loud to everybody, please. Stand up. When you don't want to be around people who love the Lord, that's right. This is a, my goodness. I, were you writing them all down, Dennis? You got them? <laughs> Good. Now, I, now give me the points for the message. <laughs> okay. I like to say this way. Let me sum it up. This, this is all excellent. I would like to take more time. Because, see, actually, let me let you in on a little secret. You see, there are a lot of people think, who think that junior highers are too young and too dumb. Now, don't, don't be offended. But they think that junior hires are too young and you really can't, you know, tell them the real things of the Lord and the Lord's Word. So all you can do is play with them. Just play with them and fool around and just make them happy by fooling around. But I don't believe that. I am a strong person who I am telling all the saints in the recovery, listen, our future is with our young people. And our young people have a great capacity. A capacity for the Lord's Word. And a capacity for the Lord Himself. And I proved it tonight. I got all these answers on the tape. 
and they were all written down by Dennis, and now I have Exhibit A. See, our young people, they know about life and death, and they can give you the right answers with the good reasons. So don't tell me our young people didn't get anything. And don't tell me our young people are not capable of receiving more. Are you capable of receiving more? I believe it. That's why I'm here. If I didn't believe that, I wouldn't waste my time. But I told the brothers, I'll let you in on a secret. I told the brothers, if the only work, I, I, I serve the Lord full time, and I told the brothers, if the only work I had to do was to be with the young people, the junior highs and the high schoolers, then I would feel like I was in heaven. Just don't bother me about anything else. Just let me be with the young people. Let me spend time with them. Because the more I'm with the young people, the more young I get, see? I admitted to you I'm a grandfather, but I'm a very, very young grandfather. Not in my physical years, chronological age, but whenever I'm in a conference like this, man, I go home, ask my wife, I get younger, I get younger all the time. So if I had nothing else to do but to be with you all, talking to you like this, that would be the best thing for me. But anyway, the brothers also think I need to do a few other things. So I have to be in the full-time training, and I have to be in the church in Anaheim, I have to be in here and there, and doing this and that. But anyway, I still would reserve this time for you. Okay, let me try to sum this up, okay, quickly, because uh, how do we know when we are dead? Actually, the first thing, and you've said it in so many different ways, the first thing is, that we are separated from God, that we're separated from God. We're hiding, we're lost, we feel guilty, we don't like to contact God, and we don't like to contact God's people. We're separated. We withdraw. Whoops, I almost went in the hole. This platform <laughs> has a hole in it. <laughs> we withdraw, whoops, into the hole, right? <laughs> this is how we know how we know when we're dead we get into a hole right we withdraw we're separated from God this is the first sign this is the big sign separation from God because God is the source of life and when we are separated from the source of life then we are dead then we are dead the second thing is in Ephesians 2, we read verse 1, but if we go on to read verse 2, you have some more symptoms. Verse 1 said, you being dead in your offenses and sins. Listen, verse 2 says, Ephesians 2, 2, in which you once walked according to the age of this world, according to the ruler of the authority of the air, of the spirit, who is now operating in the sons of disobedience. How do you know? You know, first of all, you're separated from God, and then you're walking according to the world. Walking according to the world is a sign of death. Is a sign of death. How can I prove that? You know, it's like this. Did you ever see, did you ever stand on a bridge over a stream or a river? and you watch the water go by. When I was a kid, what we used to like to do is we'd like to get some sticks, right, and throw them into the river. 
and watch them float down, right? Well, I was at a place once where there was a, there was a rapidly flowing stream and it made a big U-turn and it made a big U-turn around a bend and came out and it wasn't far across and we used to throw something in the river over here and then we'd run across and we'd watch it sail by over here right carried by the current the dead sticks are carried by the current when we are dead toward God then the world carries us along just like a dead stick in a river or a leaf floating down Listen, everything dead flows with the course of this age, that is, the course of this world. The current of the world carries everything dead with it. But in that same river, there are some fish, and the fish are going against the stream, and they're going up when the dead sticks are flowing down. This is the difference between death and life. The world carries everything dead with it. Where? Eventually to the lake of fire. But everything with life can go against the tide of this age. Go upstream, just like the salmon. We were in Idaho a few years ago in the time when the salmon were going upstream. And they would, they would even jump the rapids, right? You see the big fish jumping to go up because they're living. The whole world is like a rushing stream going down to perdition and everything dead is carried with it. But if there's life in a fish, the fish can go against the stream and even jump over the rapids and jump over the waterfalls. My goodness, because life, life, is stronger than the tide of this age. Hallelujah. So the second symptom after separation from God is being carried along by the world. Are you carried along by the world? That's a symptom of death. A symptom of death. Then thirdly, in verse 3, it goes on in Ephesians 2, 3, it says, among whom we also all behaved ourselves once in the lusts of our flesh doing the desires of the flesh and of the thoughts, and were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. We all once behaved in the lusts of our flesh. Very simply put, what that means is we just want to satisfy ourselves and our own desires. This is a symptom of death. You only want to make yourself happy, you think, happy quote-unquote. You don't care for anyone else. You don't care for anything. You just want what you want. The saying in this world is, if it feels good, do it. That's the lust of the flesh. That's a sign of death. And finally, as so many of you mentioned, the fourth category of the symptoms of death is our heart is hard and cold and our conscience is numb, is just numb. When our heart is not loving the Lord, our heart is cold. We don't like to be with the Lord's children. We don't like to be in the church meeting. We don't like to listen to the Lord's Word. 
We don't like to contact the Lord. Our heart is just cold. And then our conscience, which is part of our spirit, is numb. That's a part of our heart related to our spirit. Our conscience just becomes numb. These are the four things that I would like to mention tonight. Number one, how do we know we're dead? We're separated from God. No fellowship, no enjoyment, no supply from God. Number two, we're carried along by the world. We just go along with the world. We just go along. Whatever our friends tell us to do, we do it. Stop talking. Whatever our friends tell us to do, we just do it. We're carried along with the world. That's a sign that we're dead. Then we're behaving in the lusts of our flesh. We just want to gratify ourselves, self-gratification. And then finally, our heart becomes hard and cold, and our conscience becomes numb, and we don't listen to it. After we don't listen to it for a while, it becomes dull, and it becomes numb. So actually, you covered all these points in your answers. This is how we know we're, we're dead. But now, more importantly, let me ask you another question. How can we be made alive? How can we be made alive? Tell me. We don't want to be dead. Do you want to be dead? There's a song we used to sing, want to be living, no longer dead, praising, enjoying Jesus instead. How can we be made alive? Call on the Lord. Go ahead. Amen. Just call upon his name. Want to be living, no longer dead, praising, enjoying Jesus instead? What? Just call upon his name. Okay? Calling on the name of the Lord, right? Makes us alive, makes us living. What else would you say? Yeah. Praying. Calling is a kind of praying. But then our calling turns into praying. Right? What else would you say? How to be made alive? Oh, let, let's try someone else. Just, yeah. Listening to what he says. Pay attention to what he says. Yeah. How else can we be made alive? Did you, confessing our sins. Right. When we feel guilty. Yeah. Reading the Bible. The words that I speak, the Lord said, our spirit and our life. Right. Very good. Let's come back here. Singing his words. Yeah, singing the word. Yeah. Pray reading. Yeah. Contacting the Lord every day. Yeah, see, you do know something. Meeting with the saints. We have found that meeting with the saints is the greatest joy on earth. Yeah. Louder. Going against the flow of the world. Yeah. Morning revival. Right? Going to meetings. Doesn't going to meetings make you alive? Okay, yeah, come back. Believing in the Lord. Okay, now we come calling and believing. Yeah? Fellowship over the phone with the saints. Huh? Ignoring the devil. That helps to keep you alive. Yeah, how do you get made alive? Loving the Lord. Saying amen. What do you all say? By saying amen to his word. 
Yeah, but that's, that's the result of being made alive, right? After you're made alive, then you can do that. Yeah. Spreading the Word of God, that helps others to be alive. Preaching the, yeah, that makes you living, doesn't it? Preaching the gospel really makes you living. That's why I like to preach the gospel. I get saved, <laughs> right? You got one. <laughs> no, that's tomorrow morning. <laughs> You're jumping the gun. <laughs> Any more? How do you be made alive? Okay. Morning watch makes you living, right? How else? A chapter a night. Very good. Memorizing the Word. Let me check. How many of you are trying to memorize Isaiah 53, 1 through 12? Raise your hand. Ooh, wonderful, wonderful. You're going to make it before the end of this conference. Hallelujah. Okay, don't get distracted now. <laughs> How can we be made alive? Okay, listen. Let me try to sum it up. Okay, one more. You haven't spoken. Well, that'll come. Yes, that's related. That's related, but we'll see that Actually, yeah, you haven't spoken. Confessing our sins takes the guilt away, makes us living. Right. Any other, anyone else who hasn't given anything tonight? Anyone else? Morning meeting. Huh? Morning meeting. Yeah. What? Thinking about the Lord. The mind set on the Spirit is life. That's right. Put your mind on the Spirit, then you, you get life. Yeah. Seeking the Lord, loving the Lord. Yeah, by being saved. <laughs> okay, yeah. Debbie, huh? Praising the Lord makes you living. Right, what else? Who's the other one? Okay, go ahead, son. Go ahead. Being one with him. Being one with him, yeah, but you have to be alive to be one with him. Yeah, but it's, it is related. You're right. I'm sorry, I didn't catch it. Walking with God. Yeah, not walking according to the world. That's right. Walking according to the Spirit. Fighting the devil with God. Well, we're going pretty far now. In the back row. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Joining his family. How do you do that? Huh? I, I didn't hear you. Huh? Go to church. Well, your first answer was right. Your explanation is a little not complete. Okay? Yeah, in the second row. <laughs> okay, now we're going too far. Okay, okay, yeah. Okay, okay, these are all the results of being... You haven't spoken. What? Huh? Going to conferences. Is this... Are you more alive tonight than you were when you got here last night? Say amen. Amen. Okay. Yeah, that makes us living. Okay, now, actually, my question was not how to be living. My question was how to be made alive. But it's all, it's all related. It's all related. In order to be living, a lot of the things that you mentioned are excellent. That's the way that we're made living. Okay, do you have one more? Singing to the Lord. Sure. Singing, you said, right? Yeah, sure. You want to know something? Let me tell you a story. When I was young... And I was naughty, and I got punished, and I got sent to my room to meditate on my sins. <laughs> you know what I used to do? I used to sing the hymns to the Lord. 
And that's how I got revived. That's how I got inwardly revived. I would then I would that would lead me to confess to the Lord and then then I could take the punishment. <laughs> anyway, yeah, singing to the Lord makes us living. Okay, listen. The crucial thing is first we have to be made alive and then we have to be made living. Being made alive has to do with our spirit. We have to realize in the day when God said to Adam, in the day that you eat thereof, you will surely die, then he did eat, and then the Lord came and talked with him, so he didn't die physically. That means his spirit died. He became deadened in his spirit. So the first thing we have to take care of is our spirit has to be made alive. Our spirit has to be made alive. Then once our spirit is made alive, then our spirit has to be made living. To be alive is one thing. To be living is another thing, right? To be alive, you may be alive and you may be just barely making it. Or if you are alive and you're living, then you're full of life. Then our soul needs to be made alive. And all the death in our mind, emotions, and will needs to be swallowed up. And eventually, when the Lord comes back, even our body will be made alive. You don't realize it, you're young people, but you're all dying. It's just a matter of years. Maybe 70 years, maybe 80 years, maybe 90 years. You're all headed, you're all dying already. You're not even fully grown, but you're dying already. Do you realize that? Every day you live is one day less of your life. Really, you're dying. But listen, eventually, this life of God is for our spirit and for our soul and eventually for our body. When the Lord comes, if we're, if we're on the earth, our body will be made alive. And if we're in the grave, our body will be made alive. We'll have another kind of body, a body of life, not a body of death like this body of death. Our body is a body of death, not a body of life. It contains life, but it's a dying body. Okay, so you have to realize that we have to, first of all, receive life. We have to receive life. When we turn to the Lord, we call on His name, and we receive Him. John 1.12 says, But as many as received Him, to them He gave authority to become what? The children of God, even to those who believe on His name. When we call on the Lord, we turn to Him, and we call on Him, and we receive Him, He becomes life in our spirit. Even the Lord today is what? The life-giving Spirit. When we call His name, and we receive Him, we get life in our spirit. If you have never turned to the Lord in this kind of way, calling on His name to receive Him, saying, come into me, Lord Jesus. I was looking for that song. We don't have it in our young people's book. Uh, come into my heart, O Lord Jesus. We need to ask the Lord to come into our spirit. To come in, Lord, come in. I open the door to you. 
by calling on Him, by receiving Him, He comes in. And then when He comes in, we get transferred out of death into life. This is how we receive life. Then, by continuing to contact Him, we are made living in our whole being by all the ways that you mentioned. So tonight, I like to encourage you, if you have never turned your whole being to the Lord and said, Lord, I don't want to be dead any longer. Lord, I want to be alive. I want my spirit to be alive. I want my soul to be alive. And, and Romans tells us even before the Lord comes, the Lord can be life to our mortal body. Tell you the truth, many of us have experienced sometimes our physical body is not very living, but when we call on the Lord and contact Him, He not only quickens our spirit, He not only renews our mind, but He strengthens our physical body. I can testify again and again when I'm so exhausted I just can't I just can't take another meeting or I can't give another message, then I contact the Lord and I'm full of life in my body even. So this life is for our whole being. But first we have to receive Him. I like to ask you, are you living? Where are you? Living or dead? That question is, have you received Christ as life? Have you definitely, specifically prayed to Him, Lord, come into me. I need you as life in my innermost being. If not, you have to call on His name this way tonight. Oh, Lord Jesus, come into me. Oh, Lord Jesus, I receive you. How about we all call this way? Oh, Lord Jesus. Oh, Lord Jesus. I turn my whole being to you. Lord, come into me. Come into me as life. Swallow up all the death. Thank You, You're the life-giving Spirit. Make my spirit alive. Make my soul alive. Make my whole being alive. Oh Lord, I receive you. I receive you as my life. Thank you for coming into me. I hope you would all make such a prayer genuinely and sincerely from the depths of your heart. Then the Lord will have a way to come in. He will come in and He will bring life to replace all the death and then all the symptoms of death, there will be no longer separation from God. Instead of hiding, we'll be seeking. Instead of lost, we'll be found. Instead of guilty, we'll be innocent, right? And then we'll enjoy the fellowship with the Lord. And we'll enjoy the fellowship with the saints. John tells us in 1 John 3.14 that this is how we know we have life if we love one another. If we love all the brothers and we love all the sisters in God's family, this is how we know. Because our fellowship is with the Father and our fellowship is with one another.
This takes away all the separation between us and God and between us and one another. This is how we know that we're alive. We're no longer separated, but we're enjoying the fellowship of life. And then secondly, we know because we don't go along with the world. We have another life. John says, greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. Satan is the source of the world, but God is the source of the divine life. And Christ is living in you as life. And this is the strength to swim against the tide, to swim against the current of the age. Don't be carried along like a dead stick by all your friends and by all the things the, worldly, the world does. Swim against it. You don't have to go along with it. This is how you know you're living. You enjoy the Lord and you don't go along with the world. And then, not only that, but we're not occupied with satisfying the lusts of our own flesh. Instead, we're living and walking by the Spirit. The Spirit is stronger than the flesh. Only the Spirit can overcome the flesh. By the Spirit, the flesh can be overcome when we live and walk by the Spirit. And then, finally, our heart is no longer hard and our conscience is no longer dull, but we are those loving the Lord. Loving the Lord with our whole being. Loving the Lord. And sensitive and keen in our conscience to take care of anything that frustrates our enjoyment with Him. Whatever hinders us, whatever bothering in our conscience comes, right away we confess it. And we get rid of every hindrance and every frustration to our enjoyment of the Lord by taking care of our conscience, by having a soft heart toward the Lord, by loving the Lord. So how can we know that we're alive? Oh, we enjoy the Lord and the saints. We don't go along with the world. We walk according to the Spirit and we love the Lord with our whole heart. This is the evidence that we are those who have been made alive and have been made living. So tonight, I hope, if anyone never received the Lord before, this is the night for you. I hope that your prayer was sincere from the heart. But all the rest of you who believed already in the Lord, you did receive Him once before, but you got a little dull, right? You're not so living. You just test told me when you came up here last night, you weren't that living. So you need to be made living. You need to be made living. The best way to be made living is to come back and love the Lord. To contact Him, loving Him, and giving our whole being to Him. When we love the Lord, when we love the Lord, then we can give ourselves to Him. We give ourselves to Him. He bought us with His precious blood, right? He found us. He saved us from all our sin and from all our guilt. He made us alive. Now we give our whole life to Him. We say, Lord, I love You and I want my whole life to be for You. So I give myself to You. Tonight, I hope you would all turn your heart back to the Lord. First of all, to be made alive and secondly, to be made living. And when we're made living, then we can love the Lord with our whole heart. And then we can give ourselves to the Lord. So tonight, I want to sing a hymn. Don't start talking. Just pick up your book and turn to number 33. Number 33. Let's sing this hymn, and then we'll have some testimonies.
Okay, you don't need to talk. Just turn to this number. It's 544 in the hymn book, if you don't have the chorus book. 544. It's number 33 in the book. Okay, let's sing this, and then I'd like to encourage you. This would be a good opportunity for all of you to stand up and say something. How you want to be living, no longer dead. How you want to love the Lord, and how you want to give yourself to Him. Okay? Let's sing this song. Okay? Tonight, of course, uh, this is our last night here, right? Then we have tomorrow morning. We still have something good for tomorrow morning. Uh, so this conference is not over yet. Uh, and then we're going to have something extra good tomorrow morning. Uh, something good and something extra good. So uh, it's not over yet. Just relax. But tonight, since this, uh, we just have two nights here, I would like to encourage you very much. We're going to go have our snack in just a couple minutes. And then we want you to be back to your cabins as quickly as possible. Tonight, you need to have a good time to pray and fellowship together in your cabins. Uh, we have covered all these points, so we have a, ha covered a lot. We covered four messages already, and I realize that's a lot, even though uh, the messages were not as long as I usually give them. But anyway, tonight, uh, we especially urge... Uh, all the serving ones in all the cabins, you must have a good time for everyone to really contact the Lord. Uh, everyone needs to be made living before they leave this camp. 
Uh, you're more living than you were when you came, but still you need to be made more living by contacting the Lord. So we should have a good time of praying uh, and uh, fellowshipping in the cabin tonight uh, over these things that we've covered, covered up till now, okay? And then tomorrow morning, we'll have an opportunity for those who have memorized uh, Isaiah 53. Uh, we'll probably do it by uh, teams or by churches or something. If there's a group of you that could say it together, then we'll have some opportunity to have some uh, find out how many have done it, okay? So we'll do that tomorrow morning. And then we'll have something good, and then we'll have something better tomorrow morning. So the good and the better come tomorrow morning. Uh, okay? So uh, please pay attention now. Hold it. Please pay attention. Dennis has a couple announcements that are very important. And then we want you to have your snack as quickly as possible. Don't linger in the dining hall tonight, uh, but go as quickly as possible back to your cabin. And then you could have a good, longer period. I know last night you were tired, and so by the time you got there... and some of you just jumped into bed pretty quick, right? Uh, but tonight you can have a good time to pray together in fellowship. And then tomorrow morning, uh, a good morning watch. And then we have two more sessions tomorrow morning. So the conference is not over, but use tonight wisely. Yeah, good. So just to reemphasize, uh, we do have a good amount of cabin time tonight. Lights out are still at 10 o'clock. But until that time, we can have a good cabin time. So uh, when you get your snacks, we'd like to... Um, the, Rich, did you announce the KP for breakfast yet? Okay, fine. All right. Let's take care. Um, <clears throat> I was so impressed, Gene, with the answers they gave. It was really quite something. That means that the junior hires have a good deposit in them right now. And the more you keep coming, the better that deposit will be. And better the deposit, the more you can swim upstream. We like to see all the junior hires as flying salmon through the water, just swimming. Okay. Something comes and you just fly over it, right? There's a fighting life within us that just stands against the tide of this age. It's already in us, and we just like to strengthen it. Okay? Conference by conference, we get strengthened in this way. Only announcement I have is uh, we ask all the junior hires to go down to the dining room right away, immediately to the dining room, and stay there until your counselors come and get you. Okay? And we'll ask all those who went last night and plus Helen and Beverly uh, to go down and be with you, okay? And please stay there until your counselors get you. Then all the serving ones plus the full-timers, let's have a quick meeting together. Okay, go ahead and go now. Go quick.